Welcome to New Zealand Vegan Podcast, episode 29. I'm your host, Elizabeth Collins. I want to thank Roger Yates for coming on my show last week. And he was um, very inspiring and I hope to have him back. I know a lot of people want to have Roger back on as well. So so we're going to make that happen. And um, I'm hoping that Roger will also do some other maybe presentations or interviews of his own. He has a lot of contacts and... Um, so we'll see what happens there, but definitely, definitely he'll come back on and we'll talk some more. This week I wanted to actually read something that somebody else wrote. I um, Nathan Schneider had uh, put it up on his blog. His blog is Vegan Abolitionist. So if you go to vegan-abolitionist.blogspot.com, then you'll see Nathan's blog and he has, uh, as he says, resurrected a bit of vegan history. And it's um, and thanks to Randy for sending this out as well. I read it and I just, I'm just going to read it out loud. I'll just tell you a little bit about it. So Eva Bat is the writer of the essay and it was written for Here's Harmlessness, an anthology of Ahimsa, which was first published in 1964 by the American Vegan Society. Eva Bat was a member of the UK Vegan Society, major member. I'll read the introduction. Eva Bat, a resident of England, became vegan in 1954, just 10 years after the term was coined. As we know, Donald Watson coined the term in 1944. In the decades that followed, Bat made major contributions to the spread of veganism and the development of the UK Vegan Society, which she chaired for 15 years. And her other writings include the first vegan cookbook ever published. So she wrote the first vegan cookbook ever published, and it's called What's Cooking and What Else is Cooking? So I believe that What's Cooking was the first, and that was in 1973, and they're still in print, although under different titles. And um, continuing a little memoir that was given about her on this same essay, uh, you can download this PDF from Nathan's site. You can also download the PDF from abolitionistapproach.com on the text page, and it's also available in Hotmail at abolitionistapproach.com on the text page, this essay called Why Veganism, which I'm going to read. And um, Eva, in 1954, had a first-hand experience around separating the cow and the calf for dairy farming, and she became a vegan and joined the Vegan Society. So she was um, became a member of the Vegan Society in the first 10 years of its establishment, and she was elected to the committee. Uh, she served on the committee um, from 1966 until 1982. Uh, she was first elected in 1961. And she was chairman from 1967 to 1982. So she did a lot of hands-on work in the UK Vegan Society. Well, I love this essay, and I could see why it was resurfaced. So I'm just going to read it. And this is in Eva Bat's words, Why Veganism? by Eva Bat. Born 1908, died 
Although through the ages there have been many people living a strictly vegetarian existence for one reason or another, it was not until 1944 that a few enthusiastic total vegetarians, later to call themselves vegans, met in London to exchange knowledge gained through personal experience of living on a diet which excluded not only flesh but all dairy products, milk, butter, cheese, yogurt and eggs, as well and to discuss ways and means of making the results available to all, so that anyone who wished could adopt this humane diet with confidence. The first vegan society was founded in February of that year in England, and a newsletter was circulated to members. This was replaced in the summer of 1946 by the quarterly magazine The Vegan, which is still published. More and more humanitarians joined, with varying degrees of knowledge and experience. Occasionally, enthusiasm was greater than either, and during the next few years, some of these pioneers developed symptoms of diet deficiencies, and a few suffered much, both physically and socially. But it is as a direct result of these selfless pioneers that today vegans can embark on this wonderful adventure in compassionate living without fear and are accepted as almost normal citizens. Since that time, vegans from many other lands have joined with those in the British Isles, and in 1960 the American Vegan Society was formed in Malaga, New Jersey, publishing a Himsa magazine. As might be expected, close cooperation exists between the two societies. Veganism has always stressed the need for sound nutrition as well as humane diet, the importance of soil conservation, and the correct long-term use of the land, so that our heirs should not find this precious heritage eroded, scorched, or leached of the essential minerals so necessary for a full and healthy life. Of course, vegans rely upon natural methods, pure food, fresh air, sunshine, exercise, etc., rather than using vaccines and serums to retain a sound, healthy body and mind. Also, the contamination of water with sewage, industrial wastes, or the addition of fluorides, etc., is not, in the vegan view, in the best interests of the individual or the community. The use of pesticides and of artificial fertilizers is opposed to vegan principles and veganic gardening and veganic gardening has proved them to be unnecessary once the correct balance of the soil has been established. Fruits and vegetables grown with the veganic methods can be as large and beautiful and perfectly formed as those grown under any other methods. Note, this is not the same as organic which may mean utilizing dried blood, bone meal, hood and horn meal, plus any other slaughterhouse waste products. Indeed, the slides illustrating Mr. O'Brien's lecture at the Royal Society of Arts in London proved that food produced by the Dalziel O'Brien Veganic no-digging method can be large and beautiful, as well as more nutritious and flavoursome than that grown with artificials and smothered in poisonous insecticides. To vegans it has the added advantage of being humanely produced, owing nothing to the aforementioned slaughter products. Because of their belief in Ahimsa, Sanskrit, 
for non-killing, non-injuring, harmlessness. Vegans are naturally inclined toward pacifism, and many take an active part in opposing all kinds of aggressive activity. But veganism has no connection with any political party or system, national or international. Similarly, individual vegans may be deeply religious, perhaps devout Christians or disciples of one of many other faiths and creeds in this world, but this is not a requisite of veganism, which is an everyday, fundamental way of life concerned with living without hurting others. The hereafter may or may not solve all our problems, but what we do now certainly affects all those around us. There are several roads to veganism, and many individual views of it, but veganism is one thing, and one thing only, a way of living which avoids exploitation, whether it be of our fellow men, the animal population, or the soil upon which we all rely for our very existence. A few are attracted to veganism at first, because they desire to improve or regain their health, Others are more interested in the economic aspect, which is of great import to everyone. Few non-vegetarians appreciate the fact that because much more vegan food, vegetables, fruit, grain, nuts, seeds, can be produced on an equal area of land in a given time, veganism, if generally adopted, would not only release man from animal husbandry and all its cruelty, but many fertile acres would be freed for the abundant production of food for direct human consumption. In such circumstances, even Britain could become a food-exporting nation. Think what this could mean to the underdeveloped, another term for starving, peoples of this world, and what a contribution it would make towards world peace. But by far the greatest number of vegans are those who have been moved by compassion to adopt this way of living without hurting. Most have been reared on the usual mixed diet, with meat, eggs, milk and fish possibly predominating, but may have been feeling for some time that this could not possibly be the best way to live. Then, perhaps, a casual visit to a cattle market, or the sight of newborn calves being driven to the slaughter, born and killed so that humans may drink the milk that nature provided for calves, has caused their decision to be a party to such criminal practices no longer. Sometimes a person is sincerely anxious to help in this resistance to cruel exploitation, yet hesitates for fear of seeming peculiar to their friends, or even looking a bit odd, without woolen cardigan or leather shoes. Thanks, however, to the pioneers, and to the efficient alternatives created by our present economic position, such fears can now be immediately dispelled. Another deterrent to a few is the reluctance to refuse animal food when accepting hospitality. This discomfort is quite unnecessary. 
Surely, if any should be embarrassed, it must be those who have not taken the trouble to provide good, humanely produced food for their guests, and actually expect them to eat dead animals, or margarine made from the body of a whale, which has been killed by shooting explosives into its insides. Our friends do not realize these things, so it is up to us to make the facts generally known. Of course, there are difficulties for the beginner, but these exist more in imagination than in fact, and tend to disappear quickly when the decision is made to go ahead anyway. It is not that veganism is so difficult. It is simplicity itself. But while society, and most of the world, is geared to animal exploitation, and world economics are built upon the generally accepted principle that might is right, and the dumb have no rights. Anything which tends to interfere with or bypass this is not encouraged. Also, veganism offers nothing for big business to exploit. Many people ask why we need to go so far and say that lacto-vegetarianism, still using dairy products, perhaps leather, etc., is enough for the time being. Unfortunately, very few vegetarians indeed, in our experience, really appreciate the present rate of exploitation, not from lack of feeling, but rather from lack of interest and understanding. Unlike vegans, a great many vegetarians are concerned chiefly with their health, and are prepared for animals to be killed to produce leather, cheese, margarine, etc., so long as they do not actually eat the carcass. In our opinion, it matters not one jot to the innocent creature whether it is to be slaughtered for human food, medicine, clothing, sport, or such luxuries as ivory ornaments, horn, bone, or tortoiseshell knick-knacks, crocodile handbags, or exotic perfume. Sudden death in the prime of life, or the lingering agony of pain and starvation in a steel trap, must be as terrifying for the field mouse, stoat, or rabbit, as for the hunted tiger, whale, or stag. What at first may appear to be a quick death for one creature often means a slow starvation for her young ones as well. Sometimes it is the baby, or rather its skin, which is coveted by man. What the parent seal feels as she grieves over the bloody remains of her clubbed and quickly skinned pup is probably no different from the anguish of the domestic cow on losing her newly born calf. Anyone living near a farm or slaughterhouse has learned the pitiful cries of both mother and calf. But the majority of persons, on first adopting a lacto-vegetarian diet, increase their consumption of dairy products and eggs, which means that any relief of suffering for the animals exists more in hope than in fact. It is surprising to learn how many vegetarians are unaware that the rennet used to curdle many cheeses is obtained from the stomach of a freshly killed, very young calf. Such cheeses are not, of course, even lacto-vegetarian, 
and we feel that these inconsistencies should be much more widely publicized. If, however, we were to compare degrees of cruelty, it would be clearly seen that of all the food animals, the cow suffers far more than beef cattle. For the whole of her life, this soft-eyed, docile animal is regarded simply as a milk machine. She is kept going with drugs, and steamed up with hormones, injected with antibiotics, and still has to suffer the horrors of the slaughterhouse when she has at last become unprofitable. Putting veganism into practice will require a little patience, some knowledge of nutrition, which is easily learned and is a most rewarding study and perhaps a bit of help from other vegans who have acquired local knowledge about the availability in the area of pure foods, humane clothing, and household products. Call on your society for help and advice if your particular problem has not yet been dealt with in the magazine. All made-up foods, i.e. biscuits, cakes, ready mixes, pies, puddings, tinned soups, etc., are suspect. They are likely to contain at least one of the following, butter, milk, fresh or dried, honey, cheese, animal fats, including whale or seal oil, which for some reason is not always included under this heading by food processors, or eggs. Additional ingredients as fractions from milk or from fat, usually animal, include whey and various lactates, numerous stearates, and other fatty derivatives, etc. Apart from this, they are nutritionally inferior to the simpler fresh foods, fruit, vegetables, nuts, seeds, grains, partly because they have been cooked or otherwise processed, and partly because they are also likely to contain some of the 800 recognized, but not recommended, food additives in the way of chemical dyes, improvers, softeners, preservatives, synthetic flavorings, bleaches, etc., etc., etc. A good working guide for a beginner is, if you can't eat it raw, leave it alone. There are several obvious reasons why it may not be advisable for anyone on an orthodox diet to change overnight to all raw foods, but eating a fair proportion of these is a must for general fitness, as all forms of cooking destroy some of the nutrients in foods. An occasional serving of good homemade soup, conservatively cooked vegetables, wholemeal bread, or potatoes baked and eaten with the jackets will add variety and interest to the essential green salads, fresh fruit, nuts, and grains. These last may be sprouted with ease and excellent results, which form the basis for a good vegan diet. Catering for non-vegan guests will be a poser at first, but a little shopping around and experimenting will prove that savoury rissoles, nut roasts, cakes, biscuits, tarts and pies in a great variety can be produced from all vegetable ingredients for friends who expect this type of food. 
This is another challenge, and it gives us an excellent opportunity to demonstrate how attractive, flavorful, and varied a meal can be made with absolutely no animal content. Being entertained calls for a little tact and quite a lot of determination. It also necessitates explaining beforehand, as simply as possible, our eating requirements. If our hostess is not to feel embarrassed by our failure to appreciate the delicacies she would otherwise offer. However, everyone can produce some fruit and nuts without any difficulty and with the minimum of preparation, so we need not feel that we are being a nuisance. Nevertheless, on the first such occasion, the hostess is bound to feel that you are not getting enough to eat, but your reassurance on this point can, if handled with diplomacy, add to her education. We find it best to answer all questions fairly briefly and leave it at that. This invariably creates more interest and further questions, which enable us to sow a few seeds without listeners feeling that they are being preached to. But veganism is by no means concerned only with food. Vegans deplore the slaughter or exploitation of any creature for any reason. Food, meat, fish, poultry, eggs, milk, butter, cheese, cream, lard, honey, and all made-up foods containing any of these. Clothing, wool, leather, silk, reptile skins, etc. Adornment fur, feathers, pearls, ivory, etc. Toiletries, soaps, cosmetics and creams containing animal fats and oils, lanolin, wool fat, and perfume ingredients obtained from animals under grossly cruel conditions. Household goods, hair and wool rugs and carpets, woolen blankets, feather pillows, brushes and brooms made of hair, oils, greases, polishes, etc., that include animal fats in the ingredients. Sports, hunting, racing, shooting, fishing, etc. Amusements, circuses, and all acts which include performing animals or birds, zoos wherein naturally free creatures are imprisoned. National parks and wildlife preserves are so much better and more rewarding for all concerned. Medicines, vaccines, serums, etc., made from animals, not forgetting that millions of animals are used yearly for testing all kinds of drugs as well as shampoos and beauty products. This may seem a formidable list, but it only goes to show to what great extent we have grown to rely on animal-based substances and the wholesale exploitation of every poor creature from whom man can extract a profit. However, for all the above, there are humane alternatives. Even the fine artist brushes are now being produced of synthetic materials.
The Vegan lists foods and other items guaranteed by the makers to be quite free of any ingredient of animal origin, and these lists are revised frequently. Aside from immediate effects, vegans consider this way of life to be no less than a duty to future generations. It will take many ages at the present rate of progress to undo all the actions of past wrongs, if indeed this is ever possible, but whatever our actions, it is our heirs even more than we who will reap the results, good or bad, of what we do today, tomorrow, and the next day, until we leave them, what? A desert, a conflagration, or a garden of plenty. The decision is yours and mine. Okay, I just finished reading Why Veganism, written by Ava Bat who was a member, very active member of the UK Vegan Society. This article was first published in 1964 by the American Vegan Society in Here's Harmlessness, an anthology of Ahimsa. And I love this article and um, it's so relevant today. And I already really appreciate her advice uh, in here, especially about social interactions, and um, it's just all very good common sense, but it's really nice to hear this voice from from the past, from the beginning, and we know that we can, we can continue to make this happen, and I think that, you know, now that we have more people who are taking animal rights seriously, you no longer get overwhelmed and sidetracked by the treatment and making it more humane, etc. These guys weren't. They were just concerned with veganism and that's what it's all about. We have been uh, getting sidetracked uh, globally for decades and it's not um, confronting the real issue which is outlined in this article here. So I think that's beginning to change. I do appreciate the way that she writes. Um, I love the the way that she addresses pretty much everything that anybody could be concerned about uh, who was a non-vegan who was thinking about these things um, to get away from their social conditioning to not be overwhelmed by this bad name that veganism has I don't understand where the name can, where this bad well I have a lot to learn about what happened in the last you know 60-70 years still I love that she addressed she addressed everything, environment and all that, but it's all about the compassion. It's all about the sense of justice. And as Roger told me, it's about respect for animals, you know. It's about respect as well. And we owe to ourselves as well as them to respect them. And so I just uh, hope that you enjoyed hearing that. I'm going to be interviewed by Sam Tucker of NZ Vegan Teen. And he has got a really great um, website about dairy products uh, called NZ Dairy Cruelty. And it's NZ Dairy, 
www.webs.com. So that's nzdairy.webs.com. And also a blog and a podcast, which is nzveganteen.blogspot.com. And he has already interviewed some other local vegans um, in New Zealand. He interviewed Jordan Wyatt. He interviewed William Paul. And... Um, he also interviewed Vish, and I know that that's probably going to show up on the next episode. And he's going to interview me, and I can't wait. I, I'm so looking forward to finally talking to him. I haven't actually spoken to him before. We've just emailed and things. So I'm really looking forward to, to hearing um, what he has to say and hopefully answering some questions that he has. Um, I am very new to all this as well, so it's kind of like we're all... We're all start, you know. It's such a wonderful collaboration between people who are, who have been doing this for a long time, who are helping us, um, new people. And um, I do find generally that when people become vegan, I've, I have had nothing but support, understanding, patience, generosity. And every vegan that I have had anything to do with, and although there have been people that we have disagreed with activism, we've disagreed on, you know, the type of activism, and we've had disagreements about that, apart from those discussions, their personhood as a vegan, as they have developed this um, awareness of, of what living a compassionate lifestyle really is, and why it's so valid, and it's so rewarding for everybody involved, you know, you have a new attitude, and because you care so much about the animals, and you care so much about all the non-human animals that we're exploiting, as well as our own species that we are exploiting, that is being terribly affected by our use of resources, and also nature, the, 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 the non- a sentient um, life on earth, the flowers and the trees and, and the water and the air is, is so beautiful. It's a paradise. And, you know, when you wake up to, to that and you want to help it, your passion comes through. So you are very patient with people who are saying, well, I'm a new vegan. I don't really know. How, how do I do this? Or how do I do that? And you get 25 emails from people saying, this, you know, this is how you do it. This is how you do it. Because not only do they want to share their knowledge and they really, and not only do they want to help you, they want to help the situation. And the only way to help the situation is for us to go vegan. And we will work amongst that and through that, through all the other problems that we have. It's not an instant solution as we were talking about farming methods in general. Uh, I love that Ava talks about veganic farming. I'd never heard of that. I had no idea that organic farming was not necessarily vegan. You can't jump to conclusions, unfortunately, especially in this world. So I really enjoyed her her writings about the gardening and the food, uh, the growth of, of veganic products as well. So we have a lot to get through, but the beginning of it is waking people up and making them, you know, allowing them to want to make that change so that it comes from the right place and then all of the rest will will fall into place because you have a desire to help the situation and I really hope that I can get that across when I'm trying to talk to complete strangers about this I don't want them to feel as accusatory and it's you have to avoid that I I know that I need to learn how to avoid the person being feeling like I'm pointing a finger at them and saying, you're a bad person and you're doing something wrong. And um, it is a automatic reaction to this, uh, it seems. Um, so it's very useful to learn how to 
approach it in a, in a way that a person feels that you are nothing more than sharing the truth with them. In the end, it's up to them what they do with it. Um, but it is a wonderful truth. And when they do adopt it and become vegan in their actual lifestyle as best we can, as much as we can as consumers now, they find that they really want to share the knowledge with other people because they know that it's helping all of us, including all the non-human animals, which is the beauty of this of this um, knowledge. Once you learn about it, um, not only is it useful to yourself, but you want to share it. You want to share it. There's nothing selfishness about veganism because the more people you share it with, the more you help the things that you're so desperately trying to change because you have this love and respect for, for life and you want to end the suffering as well as all the other benefits that go along with it, um, environmental and health-wise. And if you believe in the interconnectedness of energy, a lot of people are very spiritually aware of the energy of the earth. We're all energy. And when you emit good energy and you, you take in good energy, I had a really, uh, I had a lovely visit from a friend of mine from New York and um, I, I, I tried to discuss veganism with her and I learned a bit about myself I'm still got a long way to go it ended up it didn't go well um with with regard to uh she felt like I was accusing her and so I know I did I take responsibility for that she was like you're calling me you're telling me I'm immoral and that was definitely the wrong way to go I didn't actually sit here and say that but the arguments that I used I'm still refining and she very much felt like I was being accusatory um of her, so I well, after that we we she's a wonderful person, and so we worked that out, and then we got into a discussion of energy and learning from her. I I, I realized there was another way to approach it with her specifically. She believes in the interconnectedness of energy. There's a lot of writers on the subject, and and I said to her, well, if you think about what you're eating, if you think about the energy you're taking in, and a lot of people have written about this too, of the slaughtered animals and their state that they live and die, the energy that you're absorbing when you're eating their flesh, the energy that you're becoming part of, you know, is probably very well inhibiting, inhibiting the peace and energy that you are that we are searching for and um, as Tolstoy said as long as there are slaughterhouses there will be battlefields and all those kinds of things so I think that once we got once we sort of came down from this conflict that we had created we ended up started talking about generalizations and um, I hope that this very wise and, and um, wonderful friend of mine will um, forgive me for making her feel like I was accusing her and will and will explore this further I know that there was some kind of idea planted. Um, I can't do anything about um, the negative um, defensiveness that, that, that was caused in both of us, actually. Uh, I can only use it as a learning experience, but I um, always have the hope that... And, and, and we ended up... She said, your message is good, um, but she just reckoned that I needed to refine the way I said it, and she's absolutely right, and that's my goal. That's what I'm working on. Uh, it's my practice, and um, like I say, I'm just starting, so I know I'm going to make mistakes in the beginning, and also I have my own conditioning to get away from, as um, as the majority of my life I was a very negative person, so I'm also trying to work on that as well. So I just think that this essay written by Eva is a, I would love for somebody who was not 
a vegan to read this just as a introduction to veganism and um, I'm glad that it was uh, republished as it were on the web and like I said you can find it on Nathan Schneider's blog vegan-abolitionist.blogspot.com you can find it on abolitionistapproach.com and the text page as hotmail or pdf and um, you know uh, if anybody I, I would like to print it out and give it to people um, and I think I'll do that and you know it was written in 1964 and a lot of it is still relevant today I'm not sure about the whale oil and the seal oil but you never know and um, I think it just goes to show how we really do need to change the paradigm shift because we have these wonderful writings but something something went wrong I think that it was because people focused on it got away from animal rights if it was ever there uh, except for these wonderful vegans who are writing these wonderful things but we need to uh, we need to get it out there and and focus on that and um, we can't do anything about these other campaigns but we can certainly raise as many people that we can to openly talk about this with their friends and families and to see the 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 um, logic and the beauty of of this uh, of this thing called veganism so thanks so much for listening I really hope you enjoyed that if you haven't already read it and um, I will be back um, soon um, I'm hoping to have Adam Kahanowitz on so now I've just put pressure on Adam to come on because he's a very busy guy and um, I just want to interview Adam he's he's agreed to come on some people are too shy to, to talk on a on a podcast and that's all good but I love interviewing people and, and hearing from other people and learning from them and Adam um, the more I learn about what he's up to he's well he first of all he he's the has this fantastic kiosk which you can take to events and it's um he's also developed a software program so watch that video if you look at if you go to abolitionistapproach.com and you go to the blog entry how to make a vegan kiosk that was Adam and also he's a writer for the vegan examiner and he has vegan FM and he has the website abolitionists uh, he has the website um, abolitionistvegans.org so I'm hoping to have Adam on my next show we'll have to work it out and um, other than that I'll just be back otherwise and I'm now going to go and try very hard to translate this document into Spanish and then read it in Spanish for my Spanish broadcast um, I'm wondering if somebody out there in that amazing Spanish community that bilingual Spanish community has already done that I will check that out and see if Luis knows anybody who's done that. Um, I need to practice my translation, but I think I'd be more comfortable with somebody who'd actually done it. <laughs> um, my translation of documents is, is not the same as sort of interpreting or as uh, just speaking. And, you know, there's certain language involved in written language, which, yeah, might come across as a bit bumbly. But if I can't find it, I'm going to do it because that's going to be my Spanish broadcast this week. So thanks, everybody, for listening and for all your wonderful support and for sending emails of support and um, keeping me on track and if Karen is listening to this um, who's just gone back to New York City I want to thank her so much for everything that she taught me and um, I think that in this one weekend I have 
and these last three days of spending time with her, I learned an awful lot about myself, and I learned an awful lot about how to be effective. And one of the best things that Karen said to me was, do you want to be right, or do you want to get your message across? Now, that may seem... You have to think about that for a second, but what she's talking about is, are you speaking from your ego, or are you speaking from your heart? And when we when we started talking, I was speaking from my ego, and then it got to where I wanted to be right, because she's a very intelligent person, and she was, we were discussing it, and I got sidetracked by my ego, wanting to be right, as opposed to just getting the message across, and she very kindly pointed that out to me without any rancor or anger and um, I very much appreciate it if I hope Karen listens to the podcast um, but um, we'll see I also want to say a special thank you to Melissa I got an email from Melissa Ryan Leach who wrote to me and it was it was one of the best emails I've ever read because she had the most positive experience when she went vegan I'll just tell you a little bit she basically said that well I think she's going to be a wonderful advocate because the reaction that she has gotten from her friends and family is wonderful and um, of course we know that that also depends on the other person but she basically says that uh, first of all she was with her boyfriend on a road trip and they decided to go vegan together he said she said I want to go vegan he said I, I want to try that too and they both did. And when she told her best friend, she received an email from her asking for more info. And she's now taking steps um, towards vegetarianism and we hope eventually veganism. Friends that she says listen intently. I think that she sounds like she's really doing the right thing. And um, I don't think that you need to give your friends all this credit, Melissa. I think that you also need to take some credit. So fantastic. And, the, and her mother said she's excited to have... Melissa Cook for her. Uh, just such a positive email. She hasn't had to face a lot of adversity. Now, you may have to, but the fact of the matter is you're obviously bringing so much positivity to this. So, And then there's also somebody uh, at her job that she's gotten to listen to. So I really, really think that this is a person who's, you know, this we're, we're lucky that she's out there doing that too. Um, Thank you for being such a great advocate and for being so positive and for writing to me and letting me know, uh, you know, all this. Oh, it's just fantastic. I'm really glad that you wrote. Thank you so much. It really was really positive. And um, anyway, I'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Oh, and my email is nzveganpodcast at me.com. And my blog address is nzveganpodcast.blogspot.com. And stay tuned for Sam's next edition of uh, New Zealand Vegan Team. He's going to um, have a couple of interviews on there, and I'll be back next week. Bye.